This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 27th, 2011. Prayer Quest, Our Forgiveness. Okay, before you start, how many people recognize that song? I just want to break out day by day. Yeah, yeah, Kim, we're, yeah. I love that Godspell song. Yeah, anyway. That was a heck of a prayer, wasn't it? Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Okay, so today we continue our prayer quest as once again we look at not that prayer, but the prayer that uh, Jesus gave his disciples, the Lord's Prayer today. We're going to look at our debts. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we do look to you day by day. And we thank you for your grace that just covers us. Lord, now as we take a look at this prayer that you gave us as your model in Matthew chapter 6, open us up that we might receive your message intended for each one of us, probably in a very different way. We pray that we're a little bit different when we leave than when we came in this morning. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we do continue our series called Prayer Quest, and and each week we've taken a look at a a different line in the Lord's Prayer. Let's uh, repeat what we've gotten so far, and we'll stop at uh, what we'll focus on today. Would you say this with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now that's interesting language, isn't it? Because we usually think about God forgiving us of our sin, but now we're saying, forgive us our debt. Forgive us our debt. Where in the world does that come from? Well, we're going to tell you. According to uh, uh, Bible scholar William Barclay, in the part of the Bible where this book of Matthew comes from, the New Testament, there were five, there are five different Greek words that are used for sin. We're going to look, take a couple minutes right now and take a look at those. The most common is the Greek word hamartia. Hamartia, we've looked at this word before. It originally was a term that, that literally means to miss the mark, to miss the target. It was a shooting term. And therefore, as expressed by this word hamartia, um, it's when we fail to, to be what we might have been, what we could have been. It's, it's when we miss the mark with our words or our actions or our lives. Another word for sin in the Greek word is parabasis. Parabasis. That means literally to step across. Sin then is stepping across the line between right and wrong. It's, it's pretty clear cut. It's deliberate. There are several places in scripture where we see parabasis where it's translated transgression. Then on the other hand, the Greek word paraptima. 
Now, paraptima literally means slipping across, kind of like what you might do if you hit an icy uh, sidewalk and you would slide on it. Um, the, um, it's, it's much less deliberate, much more subtle than the word uh, parabasis. It's when we slip, when we lapse, when there's a deviation from the truth and uprightness. Several places in the New Testament, this is the word, and it's translated very often as trespass. And, you, you know, as we've been saying this prayer, we've been using the word debt. Uh, typically in the Methodist church, which we're part of, they use this word trespass, don't we, if you've used this prayer before. And often this word is translated trespass and on occasion transgression as well. And so the fourth Greek word for sin found in the New Testament is anomia. Anomia. That means lawlessness or contempt for the law. This is the sin of the person who knows what's right, yet chooses to do what is wrong. Well, that's none of us. Just the same. Yeah. So it's the sin of the person who knows the law, yet breaks it anyway. I think I probably did that coming to church this morning. I've probably done it twice since I've been here. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I, I think that most of us can relate to anomia in one way or another. And finally, there is the Greek word ophelima, ophelima, which is the word that's actually the one that is found in this Matthew section that we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this model of prayer Jesus gave his disciples, this word, ophelima, quite simply means debt. That's why it's translated debt here. It is a failure to pay that which is due. It is a failure in duty. It is not taking care of one's obligation, ophelima. And so we see here in the New Testament that sin is represented, sin is described and referred to in a variety of ways. In a variety of terms. It goes from deliberately stepping over from right to wrong to slipping across the line. It ranges from contempt for the boundaries that God gives us. um, Deliberate sin. Sin to sin. It's to, to miss the mark in terms of what God has in mind for your life and for my life. Sin involves doing things that we do, and it also involves things that we don't do. It encompasses words, thoughts, and actions. In Scripture, we find words like transgression, trespass, and unpaid debt to describe this separation from God, separation from God, which is sin. And our challenge, whether we want to face it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, whether we want to truly believe it or not, our challenge is that each and every one of us is a sinner. Can I get an amen on that? Let me see the hands of the sinners in the house this morning. Very good, yeah. Now, we don't put it up proudly, though, do we? No. But honestly, we have to put it up because we have all missed the mark. Hamartia is a part of all of us. We have all stepped over the line. Deliberately, we've all slipped over the line. We've deliberately crossed that line from right to wrong, even though we knew what was wrong, and we did it just the same, not caring 
that we were going to grieve God in the process. We all have debt. We all have an outstanding <coughs> debt, a huge debt that we on our own are unable to pay. It's as we're told in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, for all, all y'all, <laughs> all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. Not one, no, not one of us is immune from this. None of us can escape from sin. Not one of us is innocent. Not you, not me, none of the disciples, none of those forefathers of the faith, not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, no one, no one is immune from sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot escape this part as hard as we try. We cannot get away from it. No matter how much we try to be good, sooner or later, we'll fall. And that was true for the Apostle Paul, who ended up dedicating his life serving the Lord. And he says something that sometimes is like my mantra. We do the things we shouldn't do and we don't do the things we should. Anybody with me on that one? Yeah. And, you know, it's been like that from the very beginning in the garden. When Adam and Eve chose to defy the holy God. And try to do things their way. And from this very day, we carry that seed of Adam in our lives. And not only do we sin, but because of that sin, we are doomed. We're doomed. We, sin separates us from God. That's basically the definition of sin. Separation from God. And we on our own, are incapable of undoing that separation. We're reminded of the words, again found in Romans now, in chapter 6, first part of the 23rd verse, which says this. Say it with me. For the wages of, of sin, sin is, is death. death. It's pretty cut and dry. There's no if, and, or but. The wages of sin is death. Yeah. And this death that we talk about is not the ceasing of bodily functions. Uh, Karen and I did a funeral yesterday for uh, a, a family member, a, a, a former brother-in-law of mine. My sister was married to him a few years ago. And By the way, I came downstairs, and his ashes are on our table. It freaked me out. <laughs> they shared ashes with several people in the family, not us. And I was supposed to give those I to meant to tell out. Alan, oh, my gosh. So. So Paul literally is still with us, but um, <laughs> not just in spirit. But um, and so obviously Paul's bodily functions have ceased there. But um, but this isn't the ceasing of bodily functions that we're talking about when we're talking about that. We're talking about and not just a separation, but an eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from God. You know, when we think of hell, we think of fire and brimstone. Hell. No matter how hot it is, it is a separation from God. It is not being connected to God. As 
As sin separates us on earth from God here, it also creates eternal separation. It's like we're here. God's here. And there's this chasm between us that we can't cross on our own. It reminds me of those old cartoons. Remember the Roadrunner and the Wily Coyote? Any of you? Anybody? Okay. Glad I'm not the only one that's that old. Um, And, you know, remember somehow the Roadrunner would get across and Wily would go out and then all... You know, that's the chasm. We, just like the Kai, we can't, and we're doomed to fall into that chasm. And the thing is, God doesn't want us in that chasm. God wants to be with us through eternity. God created us to be in relationship with God, but God cannot ignore the sin that separates us. God can't just take us, oh, he can't write it off. That's not God's nature. God's nature is such that he cannot ignore the sin that we create that separates us from God. And that is a dilemma, isn't it? Yeah. But there is good news because it is not hopeless. Because God loves you, 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 you. Because God loves us enough. God was willing to sacrifice his one and only son in order to to bridge that gap in order to pay that debt that we cannot pay. From the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, when we read in the Old Testament, sacrifice has been necessary in order to alleviate sin. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. The trouble with that sacrifice, though, is it's not enough. Never enough. There was always more sin. There was always another animal sacrifice that needed to be made. And that all changed with Jesus. It all changed with Jesus. He sacrificed his perfect life for you and me. He shed his blood on the cross. His sacrificial blood to pay for our sin debt, to pay our debt that we might be forgiven so that we might live in eternity with God. And so let's go back to that passage in Romans 3 that tells us that we've sinned and fallen short. And there's some really good news here for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But say the rest with me. And all are justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We have all sinned and fall short. But thanks to Jesus, we are justified. That means that we are made right. We're we're short up. You know, in a newspaper, how all the lines are, the columns are that way. They're justified. And that's what the blood of Christ does for you and for me. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ that is freely given. To everyone, to everyone, by the grace that we don't deserve, but we get anyway, just when we say, yes, Lord, yes. In the other passage that we shared earlier, we only gave you the first half of that verse. Let's look at the whole thing, Romans 6.23. And say it with me, will you? For the wages wages of of sin sin is is death, death, but... but... The gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus. Our, notice that but word there. But means whatever comes after it's going to be a flip on what was said before it. So the wage of sin is death, but let's flip it upside down. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so what we deserve is death, but God has given us the gift of life through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bridge, the bridge across the chasm between God and us. The chasm that was created by our sin. We cannot close that gap. We cannot do this on our own. But through Jesus, whose life was perfect, Jesus is the bridge. And it's his sacrificial death on the cross that gives us life. It's his blood that he shed on the cross. And it's blood and his blood alone that we have the gift of life. It's through his blood and through his blood alone that we can be relieved of our sin. It's through his blood and his blood alone that we might be able to pray the prayer that we've been taking a look at, and especially that line, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Yeah, that is the most, actually, the most challenging part of this whole prayer, I think. Not the part, forgive us our debts, that Christ took care of that. But the second half of that, say the whole thing with me. Will you forgive us our, our debts, debts as we forgive our debtors? Say the second half. As, as we, we forgive, forgive our, our debtors. debtors. Now, think really clearly about what you just said. Well, what we just said. Lord... Forgive us what we've done wrong in Christ as we forgive others what they've done wrong to us. Did you really mean to say that? Think about it now. God, let go of my bad stuff to the extent that I'm willing to let those other guys, to let, I'm willing to let go of their bad stuff. That's a pretty serious prayer, isn't it? That's a very intense prayer. Let go of my sin to the extent that I'm willing to let go of the sins of those who have sinned against me. Do we really want God to use this measure? Because what that means is if we're holding on to something, we're in trouble, aren't we? Forgive me as I, well, so if I'm not, then you're not going to forgive me for that. Ouch. It's tough. This isn't the only place where Jesus says this. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Why is this? Why must we forgive in order to be forgiven? Well, in large part, it has to do with the nature of forgiveness. When God forgives us, we are relieved of the sin that binds us. Our chains are free. We are given freedom. We're no longer slaves to sin. But if we have an unforgiving heart, if we have not been able to forgive someone else, we are still enslaved. We are still in chains. We are still not free. 
because our inability to forgive debts holds us. It holds us just as captive as our own sin. Our challenge is this. We think that when we forgive someone, that basically we're letting them off the hook. You know, we're saying, hey, what you did was okay. Well, that's not the nature of forgiveness at all. We're not saying what you did was okay. What we're actually doing when we forgive somebody is, what we're saying is this, we aren't, um, we aren't going to let what you did control me any longer. <coughs> Excuse me. We're not going to allow <coughs> what that other person did to have control over us anymore, any more power over us. We're no longer going to allow those actions of that other person to control our actions or inactions, as it sometimes is. And so actually, rather than releasing the other person, which is what we think we're doing, <laughs> What we're actually, when we've forgiven somebody, is releasing ourselves. And what's so funny is this, too. Have you ever held a grudge against somebody for a long time, and then somehow you got back and you explained to them, and they go, what? You, I did what? Now, you think you've been making them pay for 20 years, and you've been in agony and hurt, and they're like, they didn't even know what they'd done. How goofy is that? Uh, you know, we, we do that. It doesn't make sense, does it? Now, on the other hand, there are some really deep hurts that people put on us. People have, have really done some horrible things at times to us. And our challenge is, if we forgive them, we're afraid we're saying, oh, what you did, uh, it was okay. No, no. What it says is, I'm not going to let that control me anymore. You've already had too much control over me. We're calling it quits from right here. Forgiveness, in a way... Not in a way at all. Forgiveness basically is more about me than it is about the person I'm forgiven. You know how we say it's not about me? In this case, it is about you. <laughs> it's a whole lot more about your release than the other person's release. And my for ability to forgive you allows me the freedom to enjoy the life that God has promised me, that God designed me to have. My ability to forgive you releases me to be the person God intended me to be when he first thought of me. My ability to forgive you. Gives me the freedom that I'm promised by Christ when he died on a cross. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. And so today we're going to do something a little bit different. You know, often we talk about nailing our sins to the cross. And a number of us have done that from time to time. Of letting go of our sins, of of leaving them at the foot of the cross, of realizing that saving grace that Jesus has to offer us. But today, we're going to flip this a little bit. Actually, we're going to flip it a lot. I'm going to say a prayer, and at that time, the praise team will come up. And while they're doing a song called, I'd Need a Savior, we all need a Savior, we want to give you an opportunity for some thought and some prayer, some, some quiet time in the midst of worship for, for you, for us to think about who do we need to let go of? Who do we need to forgive?
Who is it that still has some power over us that we just need to release so that we can enjoy the life that God has for each one of us? God does not want us to spend one more minute enslaved. God does not want us to spend one more minute in that kind of misery that we don't need to be in. Because Christ is willing. Christ came to take all of that on. And so while the praise team is is going to sing, you're invited to spend some time in your seats praying, thinking, praying. You can do that on the steps as well. And then as the Holy Spirit leads you, there will be a a cross right here. And there will be some papers and some pens. And you can come up and write that name down or whatever it is that you really, you need to forgive. And thumbtack it on the cross and be free. Be free. Now, it could even be a person who's no longer alive. God can take all of that for you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's our focus today. And we hope that when we have time here, that you'll spend some time leaning into that. Let's say it together one more time. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's pray. Almighty God, this is a huge challenge. And so often we, we say these words and they just sort of run off of our, out of our mouth and wow. There's so much that we probably don't really lean into and think about. Lord, thank you for this time that we have today to nail to the cross whoever it is, whatever it is that we need to forgive. We ask, Lord, for just a holy hasha your Holy Spirit to be thick in this place and that everyone here, regardless of whether they come up or stay in their seats, will leave here lighter and full of your grace and mercy. We give this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.